Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. So, Bud, will turn our attention to uh, trying to move on from 0-2. Uh, obviously, that starts this weekend in Winston-Salem. Uh, we'll give you a decent idea as to what we can expect from Wake uh, this weekend. And uh, before we do, we'll thank our friends Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Whether you're putting it on eggs, popcorn, or whatever else, uh, it is just something that has become a staple in my kitchen and uh, hopefully yours as well. And our friend at Tarpon Cellars, fantastic wine company, fantastic wine people, uh, very much invested fully in both kind of the culture and the whole process in bringing to your table uh, one of the better bottles of wine that you can find. Their Cabernet is particularly ex- exceptional and award-winning. And uh, give them a look if you've got a special event coming up or you need a, a gift of significance for somebody uh, of some kind of you know, certain milestone in their life or whatever else. Give them a look. Tarpinsellers.com, coupon code NOLCAST. And with that, bud, let's jump into this Wake Forest preview. Let's do it. Uh, I had a couple questions that I guess we need to kind of discuss. Uh, Inger, people want the hot gossip, man. They want to know, uh, did Dante Lucas fight a strength coach? And uh, did Jordan Travis quit the team? Oh, well, did, okay, okay. That's the, the that's the couple questions that we've been getting uh, on Twitter and through email, and a couple on Patreon. Answer here: I actually don't know. Wasn't there? Didn't see it happen or not happen. I don't know. I know he handled it pretty quietly, as far as like his announcement wasn't real, uh, real crazy like or anything. And uh, he's going to go elsewhere. He did officially enter the transfer portal, but that that is look. He he did not play well. We kind of held out hope that he might play well. Clearly, just mentally couldn't handle playing. I mean, just given that number of concentration penalties, something else had to be going on there. But it does hurt your depth because I think b- behind your starters now, you have guys just really physically are not ready to play. And uh, with you know, Schrader out for the year and Lucas off the team and DLT not right and uh, a couple other guys banged. You're Still missing fifty three. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a disaster up front. We'll naturally get to it, but. Yeah. Concerning, real concerning, particularly at the center spot, in my opinion. Do you, uh, I tell you what, I went back and listened to some of the comments from Norvell and Dillingham praising Jordan Travis following that Notre Dame game. And I, I read into those. I think that sometimes coaches use comments through the media. I'm not going to say to keep a kid from transferring because that's not what I mean, but to let the kid know, like, hey, we value you. You're still part of our plans, that, that type of thing. But, uh, he practiced this week. Jordan's not off the team. Yeah. I, I think I think he'll probably play some on Saturday. Uh, it's not really my place to speculate on a rumor like that. I'll I'll just say that I I have a feeling where both of those uh, pieces of information are coming from, and you know I, mean, I wish the best of uh, luck to Dante. It was always, you know, when it was good with Dante, it was real good, and when it was bad, it uh, went really far south. And just a guy who had a hard time finding any kind of midline when it comes to uh, a healthy place for emotions and other things like that to operate. So best of luck to him. Uh, just didn't work out here in the long run. You want to get into this thing? Yeah. All right. So an interesting team in Wake Forest. Certainly you'll probably be well prepared for them, being that probably a decent theory that you've spent maybe a little bit too much time preparing for them last weekend or last week in your install. Even when we're critical of Norvell, uh, We've said that his team and his uh, his team of coaches, staff, can do a pretty good job of scheming some things up when they get a chance to look at an opponent. And, you know, I fully expect to see that. Uh, I, in, in no way will it 
negate what happened last Saturday night, but I do expect a, a coaching staff, a game plan that's reflecting of a coaching staff that has put some uh, extra attention uh, to this game. As you know, obviously from from the uh, beginning of conversation about what 2021 would look like, it was pretty easy to circle this game as important. I'm not sure that we uh, would have known it was quite as important after uh, after what transpired the first two games. I agree. Um, so I watched some Wake Forest, and I have to tell you, they are a hard team to evaluate. Um, there's some things I feel really confident in knowing about them, and we'll tell you all about that. And I'll just be straight up with y'all: like, there's a lot of things I think we can't know yet. Uh, the main reason for some of those things is because of who they've played and what they've shown. And so far, who they've played is, is, is quite literally nobody, right? They, they have not played anybody um, at all. Jeff Sagarin, you can quibble with his ranking system a little bit. I think it's fair. But he's the only guy I know who incorporates FCS teams into his overall rankings, which is useful for the point that I'm about to make here. Jeff Sagarin has Wake Forest strength of schedule year to date at 214th in the country. Now, this is pretty relevant because there are only 130 FCS or FBS teams, right? That means that Sagarin basically has Wake Forest schedule strength behind an additional 70-something FCS teams. So far, they have played Old Dominion, uh, which I have as a bottom five team in the FBS, and I would have as an underdog to a decent number of FCS teams uh, also. I mean, it, Old Dominion didn't play football last year. Wake Forest played them in their first football game since 2019. Uh, and then they also played Norfolk State, which is uh, not great, but not like Savannah State-level FCS football team. Uh, and they really haven't had to show much. They had fairly, uh, uh, like they were never threatened in those games. They, they weren't completely dominant victories throughout the entirety of it. But it does make this evaluation and prediction more difficult. Because there are some guys on their team that I know a lot about who I feel like I have a good handle on, as do you. And then there's some guys like, oh, he's new. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. One thing we do know, though, is, is Dave Clawson is one of the best coaches in the country, in my opinion, as far as getting the most out of his guys. Now, is he a great recruiter? Could he handle having a really, really big job? Those are all interesting questions, right? People thought Butch Jones could handle a really big job until you know, he got Tennessee. Uh, Clawson fit-wise at Wake, what they do. He knows how to recruit to that system that they run. I think he meshes with the Wake culture extremely well. The guy's just very hard to beat there. They consistently overperform expectations. It's very interesting. This will be a tough preview for us from, from our perspective because you've got an opponent that's really hard to get a feel for, and obviously uh, you've got an opponent, <clears throat> or rather you've got a team uh, from our own domestic point of view that is, uh, who knows? Who knows what the hell you're going to get on Saturday? I mean, it, it could be a little bit of anything. And we'll say that, you know, why don't we start this conversation with the most concerning aspects of it and then maybe lead to where uh, Florida State may be a little bit more of a, a rosy picture uh, as far as what the uh, potential outcome may look like. So really concerned along the offensive line. But um, we mentioned in the, in the get-go there that uh, still had a lot of ambiguity slash don't expect to see him playing when it comes to your center, at least the guy that most of the fan base would like to see at center, number 53, uh, Robert Scott, your tackle, uh, left the JSU game. DLT hasn't been the same DLT. Maybe there's some glimmers of hope that he's rounding into uh, a little bit better form, but 
you know, you, you, Lucas is gone, Schrader's injured or, uh, you know, out for the season, as you mentioned, or at least out for the vast majority of the season, uh, unless something different occurs. Certainly not an option to play in this one. No, no, and, and won't be until, in my opinion, maybe game 10 or something like that. I mean, if he comes back, it's going to be in the, in the final 15% of your season. Uh, what do you expect when it comes to the offensive line? Because th- for me, this is the hardest thing. I think Florida State's defense matches up relatively well with them, et cetera. They are, you're a little bit lucky in the injury column when it comes to some of the injuries that Ra- Wake has sustained. Again, we'll talk about that in a second. But really, the rest of the conversation doesn't mean a whole lot if Florida State can't come out and put some sort of uh, decent, and I use that word intentionally, decent uh, offensive line together and, and hopefully make it through this game without sustaining another injury to a group that really can't afford it. Yeah, uh, like you said, I, I just I don't believe Smith is, is going to play. You know, I don't know if Robert Scott's going to play. I suspect he's kind of game-time decision. I don't think Dante, Dante, Devontae Taylor's going to make a, a miraculous progression in one week. Maybe he gets in a little bit better shape, having to be able to play more now. And uh, But like we said in the offseason, it was one of our fears, right? How, how ready is he to be uh, back what he was? Because last year, he was a good player for you. This year, not so much so far. And I think that is 100% attributable to him trying to get back from injury as soon as possible, not being able to get that normal summer you know, lifting and conditioning because he was you know, rehabbing. It's, it's a major concern for me. Uh, I'll just start off right off the bat. It is. I legitimately think you can win this game. I don't know that I'm going to pick them to win this game, but I think you actually, there are, there are scenarios here in which you do win. Wake is better than you physically at a good number of spots, but not every spot. You are better than Wake physically at some spots, for sure. They are a far more experienced team than, than you are. They've played, together, they've played a lot more football together than, than you have. They have a whole lot of super seniors on this team, whereas you have uh, like very few super seniors Almost nobody who's played together for more than a year or two, and your most veteran players on this Florida State squad uh, are transfers who have played two games together, and some of whom arrived over the summer. Uh, so continuity-wise, big time advantage for Wake. Uh, not having to show their hand yet, huge advantage for Wake. FSU had to try to pull out all the stops to beat Notre Dame because it found itself in that game when I wasn't really sure they were going to be in that game, and they were. To their credit, they also had to try to do some stuff last week and failed, obviously, to beat Jacksonville State. Um, but that's a major concern for sure. I, I think, look, Wake has, they have some good cover guys on the outside. I think their run defense is not great, but okay. The one tackle on the inside is not bad. 11. So they're, they're 11 and FSU's 11 are, are both both pretty good up front. His name is Fox. That's a concern of mine. FSU's interior pass protection this year has been poor uh, to be kind, I think. And that that is definitely a concern. But FSU, I think, needs to find a way, if it wants to win this game, to score in the upper 20s, if not in, in the 30s. Is it crazy to think they can do that? They literally did that two weeks ago against Notre Dame. Um, they were very reliant on the explosive play here. Wake is not truly a team that's given up a ton of explosive plays this year. They've given up like they give up one 30-yard run to Old Dominion. But then again, it's also Old Dominion and Norfolk right. State. So I yeah. don't know how explosive Wake's pass, pass like, like Wake's, Wake's defense 
can be or, or how good it can be at limiting explosiveness. Because I don't know they've played anybody that should have any explosive plays. It's not as if FSU was giving up explosive plays on the regular Jacksonville State until the end when the bomb literally went off, right? That was pretty explosive. Uh, but this makes it a difficult evaluation. I, I do think that they have to find a way to get the pass game going. This is kind of duh analysis. That's probably more McKenzie. And I think you need to use Jordan, and I think you need to run Jordan and see if, if you can outgap these guys, make them tackle on the edges, and see what happens. Yeah, it'll, it'll be... Um, I, I don't see any way that Florida State is really, uh, I don't want to say competitive, but uh, I think if you're going to win this game, you've got to use two quarterbacks and you have to roll uh, Travis out in a role in which he can have some success. Um, you know, a little bit concerned as to if, uh, I, I don't know, there just seems to be, uh, and I'm not trying to hint at anything here when I say this, it just seems to be some kind of, whether you want to label it a distraction or a schism or whatever kind of term you want to use, uh, but, I, you know, you, you've got to get... he was happy about his use in, in, in last game. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, I can understand seeing two series and then not seeing the field again after, in a loss, you know, supposedly uh, winning the position. By 30 last year, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you won the position in camp. I, I don't see how that translates, but uh, another conversation for another time. So you've got to get him uh, in, in the right headspace and, and uh, you know, in a physical place to which he can contribute. So... I don't, uh, you know, Wake has a Wake has a pretty decent defense, a decent enough defense to not let your wide receivers do a whole lot. Uh, I am concerned for Florida State if their game plan is to come out and lean heavily on McKenzie Milton and any type of passing game, whether that be uh, quick timing or uh, you know trying to create opportunity down the field or whatever it may be. I just don't know that Florida State's in a place to uh, really lean heavily on that. And I hope that's something that uh, that you don't see on Saturday and it's a little bit more of a mixed attack. Let me ask you a question here. You're done with parchment, right? Uh, I would give him, you know, uh, for every 10 snaps he got on Saturday, I'd give him three. I'll put it that way uh, until I see something else. Do you think the staff will will do that? Uh, I think they're getting there, to be honest with you. I mean, there's some... uh, there's some pretty concerning tape on parchment. If he doesn't get in like an immediate free release at the line, it's uh, not a lefer, uh, lesson in effort from the wide receiver position. I'll put it that way. Um, we'll see. Maybe Ontario Wilson helps slightly at wide receiver with him coming back and, and having a few more numbers in the rotation. But yeah, there's just some questions about personnel in general. I know this is kind of a fanish comment to make, but uh, I think he took, five shots of 20 yards or, or more down the field against Jacksonville State and four of them were to Keyshawn Helton, if not all five. I'm, I'm interested that that seems to be our uh, our deep, you know, deep play threat at wide receiver. I wouldn't necessarily think of him as such. Um, so, you know, you got to find some opportunities and maybe create some one-on-one matchups with Malik. And it's always a dangerous proposition to lean on a freshman wide receiver, but that is clear, you know, far and away your most talented and uh, gifted option. And then, you know, whatever the mystery is with Josh Burrell, that was a real big component of your offense against Notre Dame, particularly in kind of that nub set that you lined up in and had him act almost as a tight end, uh, as a wide receiver lead blocker. So uh, look to see Burrell back involved in the game plan, hopefully, and uh, just a true freshman, but 
can be a pretty big contributor to what you're trying to do uh, from a philosophical standpoint. But I'm glad you brought that up. I would like to see them use more tight ends and more compressed sets in this game. I, I think you can run some picks and rubs here. I'm interested in in how Wake Forest plays some of the crack alert stuff that, that, that they do when they're going to crack down. That could work with their toss game. Um, if you guys don't understand what I'm talking about, if you watched Ohio State against Oregon, um, I thought Oregon did some, did some nice stuff with some of their some of the three by one sets that, that they used. Ohio State's a real heavy cover three, cover one team, and they don't have very many answers. Now Wake has more answers as far as schematically than Ohio State does. I don't know what the hell Ohio State's doing. Uh, well, I do. I just don't know why the hell they're doing it like they are. I I would be interested to see how Wake handles some of these compressed formations. I'd be interested to see how Wake handles multiple tight end sets. Maybe this is the game where Jordan Wilson helps you out as, as a, a blocker, um, you know, able to run the ball, control it. Wake is definitely still a tempo team. They're not quite as fast as they were in years past, but like, I'll be interested to watch FSU's tempo here. Maybe you can run the ball on these guys. And they have two redshirt sophomores at defensive end. Again, I'm saying maybe because I don't know. I don't know what they're going to be like because they've played two pretty crappy teams. And yeah, FSU played a crappy team and lost to it, but they also played uh, by far the best team that anybody in, in this game has played. And, and you know, almost won that game. They they have to find a way to create some explosive plays here because I don't believe this this offense can can sustain drives. Although maybe if they can have uh, fewer penalties now that Lucas is out of the lineup, that should help them. I mean, Kenny Dillingham I thought was a bit dismissive of some of the other issues on offense in his press conferences this week, and he referred to the penalties a lot. But he's not wrong that that Dante Lucas committed like a million penalties. So yeah. a lot of a lot of MA and, already? and penalty talk. And I do I don't need my offense coordinator to stand up there and say, oh, well, when it's uh, you know, second and thirteen against an FCS team, we're just, you know, blown out of the water and can't really find success at that point. But um yeah, I'm I'm not a real big fan of Zapruder filming uh coordinator press conferences in general, but a couple of things that Interesting comments from Kenny, but uh, well, I don't know, man. This is a, I mentioned in the beginning, this is a tough preview. It's a tough preview to really get a feel because, like you said, Wake has played, you know, two little sisters of the poor, and Florida State has been as inconsistent as they have. And Wake has been uh, what I can only imagine is intentionally vanilla. I mean, they're not going to show you a whole lot of anything on either side of the ball, and Florida State has to try to figure out what they can do to be the best team possible. Uh, one team that we always know is the best people in their field are the good people at Hamilton Home Loans. Uh, Bud has been fortunate enough to work with them twice now. And uh, legendary I, I, team. Yes, I know flirted with trying to do it a third time even. So uh, tough to find a, a sponsor with more buy-in to the people that he works with than that of Bud. Uh, but they're great people, and it's easy to see why we've had as much success with them as we have. I use them twice. 200 NOLCAST listeners have used them as well. Incredibly excited to continue working with these guys. Legendary team, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Give Shannon and Chad a call. It was a tough week on the group text. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> they, the, those guys just bleed garnet gold, man. You know, and, and Chad's trying to talk. He's like, I think there's a way they can get to a bowl still. What if they do this? What if they do that? I'm like, and what if they manage to win three? Like that, that'd be, that'd be a nice step up from kind of where my headspace is at, you know, on, on Monday. Um, I mean, I've come off that a little bit, but. Uh, 
man, it, it's you can tell those, those guys live and die with it, as do so many of our listeners, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the success, the success that, that we do. And we appreciate that. Um, give them a shout out before I issue loan, knowledge of the industry, great rates, customer service. That's what it's all about. All right. You want to go to the side of the ball that I feel like I actually have a better handle on now? Better handle on and, and probably the more enjoyable conversation for those of a uh, of Florida State leaning audience, which obviously is the vast majority of you out there. Uh, Wake, they still run, you know, similar to what you can remember over the past couple of years. The mesh point is not as long and or prolonged and kind of uh, exaggerated as it was two years. They started to get out of that a little bit last year, but uh, it's still going to look pretty familiar. I mean, it's a like kind of a hyper extended mesh point. Uh, you diffuse a little bit of the ability of defensive ends to be super explosive and get up uh, the line of scrimmage and and be impactful as they do have to uh, read for a second, uh, depending on what you ask of them. But I'll I'll tell you what, man, if there's anybody that can, I don't want to say single-handedly win this game for Florida State, but if there's anybody that's going to make a decent amount of money who has a a decent amount of tape played in April with decent uh, B-roll music over it of him making tackles for losses that are completely disrupting an offense. This is a game that's kind of made for Fabian Lovett. I mean, if you can money game. If you can reset the line of scrimmage and and can get constant penetration against this, doesn't matter how long your mesh point is, you he can damn near single-handedly blow up this offense. There are multiple ways I can see Wake Forest winning this game. There is one way that I can see FSU winning this game. And that is kicking that, that is kicking Wake Forest ass at the point of attack with FSU's defensive line, which has been about the only consistent thing to the positive about this FSU team all year. That's the only way I can see them winning is they have to go out there and they have to take advantage of Wake Forest's offensive line, which is experienced, but not as experienced as it was coming out of spring camp, right? Um, As we know, Javante Nash, their starting right tackle, was lost for the year in summer workouts. Not an insignificant thing, right? The the guy that's going to be blocking Jermaine Johnson or Keir Thomas is a redshirt sophomore. 303 pounder, Javante Gordon, PFF grade so far, fine. Okay. Not a liability. Also, Old Dominion and Norfolk State. I don't think he's faced anybody on those two teams like a Jermaine Johnson and probably not like a Keir Thomas. I don't think he's faced anybody in practice like those guys. Again, we're saying again, if FSU can win this game, the like the only path to victory, I think, for them is them whipping Wake Forest up front right here. Like that, that's got to be it. I cannot see them winning a total shootout with Wake Forest given the offensive line situation. This has got to be this has got to be the path. And I'm not going to dismiss this as a possibility because all those guys up front, even if they're down about what this team looks like right now, they're still playing for checks. You know, and they have a lot of incentive to win those one-on-one matchups. I'm sure Keir Thomas would love to go make a practice squad somewhere and continue to play. I'm sure Jermaine Johnson would try to play his way from third rounder to like, you know, shoot, second or hell, if he keeps dominating, maybe maybe a first rounder. I may be way wrong about that. Fabian Lovett can make continue to make some money and improve his stock. That's the way it has to be. Uh, I have some weird numbers about Wake, man. They like they scored points in their games. I'll give them that. Their success rate has been fairly good, uh, but their explosive plays have not been there at all. You know, they only have seven plays of 20-plus yards on the year. Mm. And for a team that's outscored their opponents by like a billion, 
you wouldn't think that's the case. Uh, but they have not been able to hit those explosives on the season. And I, I have a couple theories as to why. Uh, the first one is not really in FSU's favor, but it's, I think Wake has been incredibly vanilla. I don't think they've shown a damn thing. And FSU certainly has had to show how it's going to play a lot of different looks because it's been in two dogfights. Wake has been into, you know, tiptoe into the tulips, right? But also, they did lose a pretty important receiver in the preseason as well. Donovan Green was another guy. He was their, their I'm not going to say he was their best receiver, but he was kind of the 1B to, uh, to Roberson's 1A. And we'll talk about Roberson in a second. He's, uh, he may be the best get that Clawson's got on the recruiting trail. I mean, yeah. This is a four-star prospect out of North Carolina, pretty talented. And a very uh, productive year last year. Yeah, really came on last year and is a, you know, decent thing. Florida State's got their hands full with the one wide receiver we're about to talk about. But, you know, Wake had two pretty significant losses in the right tackle. And, and again, with Donovan Green, uh, really would have given them a, a pretty different look when it comes to some of what they try to do in the passing game. You know, so so they they still have Roberson. Um, they have the six foot five kid who is kind of a matchup problem. They they will throw him jump balls. He's fairly decent. Uh, a T Perry, excuse me, the, the redshirt freshman. But this offense looks different, as you said, man. If they had Donovan Green, now I think you probably can and most likely should give a whole lot of attention to Jakari Roberson and force somebody else on Wake Forest to beat you. Maybe they will. Survey says so far this year with this FSU team that they absolutely will. But there's hope that they don't, right? Another thing here, which is interesting, Wake Forest has not run the ball all that well this year. Like, they, they're they not busting these explosive runs. They had one against, uh, against Old Dominion. And their second longest run in that game was was 10 yards. They had one they, had one they popped for 48, you know? Other than that, a 10-yarder. I guess they had a 16-yarder very late in the game. But like not, I, I don't know. It is it a red flag that they've not been explosive yet? Or are they just so vanilla right now? And and it maybe maybe I'm I'm reading too much into this. Maybe I am. It's possible. I'm trying to find a path to victory here. Limiting explosiveness or, or continuing to not allow Wake to be explosive would, would be one of those paths. Yeah. I mean, only, like you said, only seven plays north of 20, only two passing plays north of 20 against Old Dominion. Uh, it's just a team that, again, maybe they're just sandbagging. Maybe they know that they can go through the first two games, two and zero, and put in their FSU install during those two weeks. And uh, but still, you know, I mean, there comes a point where, regardless of what you're doing against those two teams, you would expect an offense to maybe have a little bit more uh, explosives. You know, what Florida State tries to do will be uh, something that I'm excited about. I really like the defensive line matchup. One thing that I'm not as excited about is, uh, and I'm not trying to knock a kid, but obviously Kalen Deloach uh, gets the targeting call at the end of the Jacksonville State, or at least in the fourth quarter of the Jacksonville State game. He's out for the first two quarters, most likely going to significantly increase the snaps for one Stephen Dix. Uh, obviously, Dix is physically an exceptionally gifted individual, uh, still working on, you know, trying to read the game and uh, diagnose what's in front of him. You know, we talk about some of the success that Jordan Travis has had this year, and most of it's come on kind of predetermined things. I almost need you to invert that for Steven Dix in this game. I, I, I like maybe what Dix can become in time, but uh, he's not there as far as an individual that can kind of read, react, keep himself at a giving away bad angles, etc. I'd love to see you blitz him. I would I'd, send, I'd, yes. I'd send, love to see send, you do send. 
anything where he knows what he's going to do before the ball snapped. I don't want Steven Nix trying to diagnose this offense. So if he's got to flare out and, and have coverage in the flat, uh, with predetermined zone, whatever it may be, uh, I would draw up a, a little bit of a unique defense the first two quarters to try to get you through this. Yeah, I mean, Deloach is your best cover linebacker, uh, largely by far. You know, if Dix has to be the guy in there, that, that does present some challenges for you, for sure. I mean, Lundy's another option. Gainer's another option. Uh, this is a game you can you can play more of your nickel, um, and maybe you play more of your dime here. I, I, I would I would probably consider uh, consider doing that in this one. And basically, like if you play more of your dime, you have more speed to cover some of the RPO stuff. Uh, again, for folks at home, if you're new to the Nullcast, we don't use RPO in the incorrect way. RPO does not mean quarterback runs it or throws it. It means he hands it off or throws it for the most part. Uh, so if if you're front can neutralize the run game, you can play more smaller personnel on the back end. It's almost like having a crazy good center in basketball and, and you surround him with like, you know, four guard types and, and you, you just you let the center eat and then you make everybody else cover you with the spacing on the floor there to use a, a cross sport analogy. Um, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to me to, to see what happens. How do they, how do they play that? They have to, lim- to limit those explosive plays. Wake Forest is a team that I think that'll be a real key for me because I don't think they're a team that is crazy physical uh, in the red zone and in that compressed space. FSU is a fairly good sized defense. Like Love, it's a good sized guy. Kier Thomas is not tiny. Jermaine Johnson is pretty big. Uh, you know, they're Briggs, like, Cooper, Lundy. Uh, yeah, yeah. That both bo- all their corners have some pretty good size to them. Um, that doesn't mean they've played good red zone defense so far this year, but in theory, I mean, look, guys, we, we got to, I mean, we got to try to find pass victory somewhere without just being, you know, total BS artists here. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I feel like there is a path to victory here. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Um, but that's kind of how I see it needing to happen. Don't lose to Roberson kind of thing. Make somebody else beat you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and don't just have the, the kind of mental, brain farts that allow the, the the freebie explosives, especially when they haven't really hit them in the, uh, in the first two games. Most definitely we'll get to our listener question here, but before we do, we'll thank our friend, Matt Lewis at congruity congruity, uh, you know, is experiencing your business optimized and whether it be that they're a big help uh, on payroll as they are for the vast majority of their customers, that's kind of the core of their business, but they certainly offer a wide variety of services. And we would encourage you to reach out to Matt just to see how you guys could best partner. If you think, uh, that they could better your business. Matt's been great for us. Uh, we're fortunate to work with him for a second year here, and we would uh, uh, ask that you give him 10 minutes. Just see if it's a good fit from a relationship standpoint and what they can do uh, to maximize what you're doing uh, on the business front. So congruityhr.com is the website. You can reach out to Matt via uh, email at Knowles at congruityhr.com. All right. Uh, so we're doing predictions. We're doing listener questions. Let's hit the one listener question, Dave. We kind of answered this uh, organically, but Dave said, I thought about the performance against JSU, and it's safe to say that they probably didn't do as much of an install this week, and we're probably working on Wake. Dave, I agree. I've heard teams often do this versus lesser opponents. Could they potentially? Could this have potentially been a reason for the performance that we saw? Does this give us a better shot against Wake? Well, uh, I have to say yes. I, I, I think, yeah, it does. I mean, I don't think it had to go as badly as it did, 
last week. Uh, I think that the coaching staff mishandled the game. I think there are a number of players who didn't take last week seriously enough uh, as far as their prep, whether that's meeting prep or you know studying on the iPad prep or or practice prep. And, you, know, you saw some guys not start last week who then came in after a couple series. I found Jarvis Brownlee's comments interesting. Did you hear what he said? He said, uh, we've had his, or our problems haven't just been on the field. They've been off the field as well for our position group. Yeah, uh, I think that's accurate. We talked about it last week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, t- taking it seriously, you know, coming in in the right headspace is important. Obviously, he's gone through you know, quite a bit, as he discussed in that interview with, with, with the passing of, of his godfather. Um, you know, but I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't. I will say, from a betting perspective, I'm not really looking to take FSU in the points. I'm not really looking to lay the points of Lake Forest. If I'm going to bet something here, I would seriously consider going FSU money line, uh, or I would go Wake Forest on one of the alternate spreads, like Wake by 14, you know, and get like four to one on your money for that. Because I do think there's a quit factor in this team. I don't think there's a great togetherness of this team. It was one of our concerns that we had in the preseason. Everybody was talking about culture, culture, culture. And I feel like we were kind of on an island among the podcasts saying, look, they're trying to install their culture. The culture is better than it was, but this is still a team of mercenaries, basically. That's why you took all these transfers because you tried to, you were trying to avoid a disaster season. But these guys aren't super tight. A lot of, like, they don't know each other. They didn't get recruited together. They didn't, they didn't come up through this system together. They're one year rentals, or in some cases, two. Not, I mean, rentals sounds bad, but basically like that's a baseball, you know, kind of trade deadline term, right? You just got these guys. They're here for a year. They're not putting down roots into the culture for the most part. So I don't know that they stick together if they get down early in this game. You know what I'm saying? Oh, most certainly. I mean, I I, uh, have the similar concerns. I also think that Wake's style of offense can kind of wear you down. And if you start to, you know, if you start to slip or get frustrated, uh, the, you know, the, the dam can break on you. So I'm uh, a little bit worried about that, but you know, I don't know if I'm being real optimistic about this game because internally I'm scared of what would, what the trajectory of this program is. If you go zero and three, um, I, I mean, obviously part of the optimism is, is, uh, having to do directly with some of the matchups we just talked about, but I do think you come out and you play hard. And I think that, uh, I'm going to take Florida State like 24 to 23, bud. I know that you think you may have to score a little bit more to win this, and I, uh, you may damn well be right. Uh, but I think this is a, a low-scoring game where you can get enough out of it, and uh, you know, maybe you need to kick a 42-yarder with three seconds left or something like that. But I, I think Florida State wins in an exceptionally close game, and uh, none of us forget last Saturday night. But uh, you know, maybe you have some kind of footing to try to catch yourself and move on with the 2021 season. Uh, before you give your prediction, we will just thank Madison Social and Ford the Table Restaurant Group, uh, as we always do, with us since uh, the first NOLCast to be recorded. And uh, we're fortunate to work with them. And we're very excited to see as many of you out uh, for the Louisville game uh, as possible. At Township. Uh, going to be township. awesome. We've got, we, yeah. got our, own, our own private patio out there. We obviously great. love both locations. But when it comes to an event and getting some space, uh, Township is exceptional. We'll be right out there. I uh, can't miss us front of the front of the restaurant on the porch there and hope to see as many of you guys as possible and uh, and ladies. Absolutely. Okay. I don't know what the hell is going to happen here. One thing I've noticed is that all five touchdowns Wake had against Old Dominion uh, or all five offensive touchdowns rather because they had a kick return touchdown as well. They were all on drives of less than 60 yards 
A lot of that was Old Dominion's offense couldn't do anything. They were pretty incompetent. And then Wake, Wake would have a, a bit of a short field there. I'm going to go 31-23 Wake. But here's the thing. I'm not actually betting Wake. And with that prediction, I should be. Because obviously the spread is five. And I just predicted Wake to win by eight. And that's significantly under the total as well. The total is 62, 62 and a half. And I just gave out a total of 54. I really don't know what's going to happen. I don't think FSU's defensive line is going to get abused. But I don't know who the hell is going to play for FSU on the offensive line. And that's a big deal. If you get some of those backups in there, I think they get blown out. Like if Robert Scott doesn't play, DLT doesn't look good, I think they'll lose by 20 plus. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the drop-off now, like we are in, in the real danger zone of the drop-off from, I know in the preseason, I think Ken Dillingham said that they feel like they have seven or eight guys who can play. Well, Schrader's out. Lucas is out. Smith. Scott's out. That goes from you know seven or eight to four. You need five. That's a problem. But I could see them winning as long if the defensive line really steps up and, and, and whips Wake up front. It's possible. I just I don't know what's gonna happen. That that I think we kind of laid out the path to victory, but I man, I don't know. We'll see what yeah. happens. All right, y'all. Well, uh, three thirty game. We should have an instant reaction up for you uh, Saturday night. Hopefully, it's a, a positive one and. Uh, you know, we'll just be here regardless. This is a, certainly a very interesting point in the program. And uh, hopefully you can go up to North Carolina, get a win, and everybody can, uh, you know, look forward to brighter days and uh, wash some of the disappointment of the first two weeks off. But uh, we'll see. Certainly appreciate you listening to us, uh, listening, watching, however you consume the Nolcast. Know that it's greatly appreciated. If you can, uh, you know, like a tweet, if you can like a video, if you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube, uh, we ask that you do so. Uh, whatever you can do to support the podcast, know that Bud and I greatly appreciate it. And since day one, this podcast has been successful because of the incredible amount of support that you, the listener, have given us. So thank you very much for that. And uh, we'll be back for a instant reaction podcast for you here in the next uh, 48 hours or so. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.